For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Believe in Vikings with BMAC and Baker, the post-draft edition. We've got Sally from Minneapolis, Ron Saw from Eden Prairie, and Katie from Montana. She's joined us about five times before. She's back to talk about the post-draft aftermath. It's pretty much all we're doing tonight is talking about the fallout of the NFL draft because, you know, sort of, what else would we talk about? First, however, we're going to talk about our sponsor, who is BetOnline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that baseball is back. Who are you picking to win the World Series? If you've got a good idea, go on to BetOnline.ag and put your money where your mouth is. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. Head on over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up and use this promo code, B-L-E-A-V, that's believe, B-L-E-A-V, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. The 2022 NFL draft is behind us. The Vikings made 10 selections, 10 new dudes uh, joined the team. Six trades occurred. A couple of them were a where were you win moment. Uh, let's get started with the draft stuff. Sally, you went to a draft party sponsored by the Vikings. Can you tell us about it? How was it? Um, I did. I think I was telling you guys last time um, the Vikings draft party wouldn't be an event that I would normally go to. It just really wouldn't be appealing to me, but they invited me to come. So I did. And honestly, it was so cool. The stadium, it was like a Vegas casino night theme. It looked beautiful. Everything was lit up. Um, They had all these tents and like lounge areas for people to hang out. So it was actually a really fun time. Um, They said they had a little over 4,000 people buy tickets. So they were really happy with that. Obviously, they haven't had the event since 2019. Um, so it was just a really it was a good time. And you got to hang out down there on the field and go in the locker rooms and stuff. So it was cool. Was that you say that it was the first one they've had in the last couple of years, obviously, with COVID. Uh-huh. Did that add some added excitement like from those rooms that did show up or was it just kind of a. Um, I can't speak, I can't speak for the rubes, but I know all the people that work for the Vikings that I spoke with were so, so excited. And some of them didn't even work there, you know, before COVID. So they had never planned a real event like this or or been able to interact with fans like that. So I know that they were really excited. 
I know it was the biggest turnout that they've had for a draft party. So that probably had, um, you know, something to do with it. And I think, I mean, I was really impressed with even after they traded back to 32, a lot of people stuck around. I mean, it was after 11, I think when they made the pick and I would say it was still about maybe half full, maybe a little less. So, um, yeah, overall, it seemed like people were really happy to be there. They did run out of food, so people <laughs> were obviously having a good time. Did they uh, run out of drinks? <laughs> no, but they had to go upstairs, like, to the suites and stuff and, and the concessions and get more, like, a lot. Did uh, was, was there players there and stuff? Um, there was. Cam Dansler was there. Um, I almost said Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, <laughs> Alexander Madison was there. Like they were taking t- turns doing um, appearances and stuff, That's and sweet. autographs. And like every hour, it would be a new one. And then some were just hanging out, like in the VIP and stuff. Okay, cool. Uh, B Mac, I know you. I don't. I don't think you follow the draft ultra close. But how was your week? What'd you do, big man, this week? <clears throat> it was pretty good. I mean, I, I watched the first round for the suit of Vikings took, and remember I said last week that somebody was. Scream about getting um, a DB or something like that. So I guess that was um, <laughs> maybe taking in. <laughs> I kept saying they said defense. I said the main thing I kept hearing was a DB. But then also somebody said like a D lineman too, but they ain't listening to me. But, uh, <laughs> um, what are your initial thoughts about the Lewis scene pick? Have you? No, that's good. Heard? I feel like that was an area that we needed some improvement anyway. So I'm glad they, you know, did go get a DB. His uh, play style? At least huh. in the, in terms of like like highlights, obviously anyone can have a great highlight film. But I, I mean, he right. was a guy that I remember standing out to me in uh, like the at least the final four. Uh, but his play style reminds me a lot of Sean Taylor, just not maybe not the two thirty, mm-hmm. but the six two with the speed and the way he hits. So I, I being Sean Taylor is one of my favorite players. I'm excited for that aspect of it. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see how he pans out. Any uh, any other globe trotting for you, B Mac, this week? No, I'm actually been stationary this week, so I don't have to travel again till like the 21st. Oh, and where is that to? I have to go to Atlanta because we finish our um we finish our accelerator program with Comcast, and so we have to have something called Demo Day, which is kind of turning into Demo Week, and we um meet with different companies uh, that's under Comcast and show our demo. Oh, okay. And then you should plug your your Vikings party that you're coming to again this summer. Oh yeah, that's in June. I got look. We get a little closer because we just started May. That's, yeah, that's like June fifteenth or something. So when we get a little closer, I'll definitely start plugging it. You gotta let us know ahead of time too, so it's not the day of that. You know, right, the right. Text that uh, I'm here. <laughs> Katie, where'd you watch the draft at your house? Well, we started. We went out to you know Buffalo Wild Wings because. That sounded really good for the night um, yeah. until, you know, we traded back and I was not going to hang out for that long. So then, <laughs> yeah, we, we went home and I watched it from my couch from there on. Yeah. Oh, okay. That threw a wrench in a lot of people's plans. I'm sure. Yeah. That's, that's also what happened. Well, with last year, Spielman did the same thing to get Darisaw and it was cold. It was semi, it was in that spot in the weather cycle in Cleveland where it was cold and it was shitty and rainy. And then, you know, they traded out and I didn't know about it until it just showed up on the board. And I was like, all right, now what the hell happened here? And I wanted to desperately know, uh, but anyhow, I digress. Yep. I watched it at home um, in 2019. Um, the Vikings and 
the predecessor at vikingsterritory.com, Joe Johnson, uh, they told they said they were limiting access to press passes and Vikings territory was no longer no longer on the list. Matthew Collar can tell you all about it. And so we we don't uh, we didn't we don't get invitations to the draft. So I just watched it at home, wrote about it at home, and it was delightful. It was certainly an event that was stuffed to the gills with weird things. And uh, we're going to get into those right now. So I'm going to start with Katie, our guest of honor. Tell me your initial reactions to the trade partners and the aftermath. Have you warmed up to what went down? So initially I did not like trade partners. <laughs> I don't like giving anybody in our division an advantage. Um, you know, it's, draft is the kind of thing that can take years to shake out to see really who won and who lost. Everything I, I've been reading about it is we came out a little behind on the Lions trade with if we were going to come behind to a division rival, that would be the one. Um, I I don't like trading with Green Bay, but I do think we got the better end of that deal. So at the end of the day, no, I don't like trading with division rivals, but I do think we came out ahead when everything shakes out. But we'll see in the long run really how it all pans. Yeah, there's a there's a reason. It's not just a Vikings thing. There's a reason teams don't do this, because inevitably, normally a team wins the trade four years down the line. And you don't want to be skewered by the spoils of the trade during that time frame. And the Vikings have set themselves up to do that. Um, of course, they have the quarterbacks to potentially cover those men, um, but it's risky business because, in theory, Jamison Williams and or Christian Watson four times a year can pound them. And I don't think they'll have the motivation that Moss had 24 years ago. And it was like, they passed on me, damn it. But we'll know about it. We'll know we had the opportunity to A, draft them. We did not. And B, send them to our divisional foes. Sally, have you warmed up to it? Or are you still pissed? So I was never pissed and I'm still not <laughs> pissed. Um, I'm trying to keep an open mind and hope that there is um, a lot of reasoning behind all of this. That's a little above my pay grade. However, um, I mean, the division issue, I mean, it, I do have beef with it, but I mean, I can see the other side of the coin with that too. For me to trade back 20 spots in the first round to accumulate pick 34, I mean, from a lot of people that I trust, they're saying like, that's, I mean, that's not enough. They should have at least gotten something substantial for next year if they weren't going to get more for this draft. And then to take that pick 34 and then trade that to Green Bay for 53 and 59, which I know they later flipped into 42, but just that gets so convoluted. And I feel like, okay, so that's what you turn number 12 into. Um, It's hard to wrap my mind around that. And then as far as the Lions go, yeah, if you're going to lose a trade, you want it to be with Lions, right? But I get the rationality that people are saying, well, they were going to move up regardless. So you might as well take what you can get from them because they're going to move up. Sure. But they don't have to move up to 34. You don't know if they were going to get to 35, 36, 37. You don't know who was going to accept that trade. So to be the one to allow them to potentially get a game changing wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers, who is really your only competition in the division for the last decade doesn't make a lot of sense to me personally for that trade. Ron, usually you and I have Siamese twins brains on stuff like this. So I will, I will explain what I lamented. Um, it, 
I understand the trade value was was there. No matter if you trust the old style calculators, Jimmy Johnson one, or if you trust the new PFF OTC ones. Um, but the Vikings had a chance to abuse and assault the Lions because they were the sellers. They could have said, go to hell with your with your offer. They did not. They said, you know what? This is a fair trade. Let's do it. But they're in a unique position with a premium pick to say, screw off. We want a first next year. Um, obviously, we'll all warm up to it depending on how all of these parts of the trades pan out. But what is your reaction, Mr. Saw? So I'm kind of, uh, I, I will say I lean more to Sally's thinking. Like, obviously, you guys saw the text where I had... Uh, you know, what in the actual F and then the same thing Friday when it happened again. Is this the first facts. time ever? Well, <laughs> I think it's you know, the first time so, ever. It, it could be. <laughs> uh, but for me, it's I, like now everything they were saying leading up to this draft was that the compensation wasn't going to be what it has been in previous years. A lot of it because of the quarterbacks and because of it being top heavy. And then the other thing they were saying is after those first 15 picks or so from 15 to about 70, they're very similar talent level is just more about need and, um, and fit. So from that standpoint, I understand the idea behind after the draft played, I understand the idea behind it, but still for me to move back 20 to just move up 12 and then get pick 66, which ironically is the pick that we took Kellen Mon last year in um, that, that to me didn't seem enough um, on the surface. And then when you factor in, regardless of whether it's the lions or not, you're giving a divisional team, the guy that they want. So the one to the lions actually bothered me a lot more just because of the moving back 20 to move up 12 didn't seem appropriate at the time. Now, obviously in hindsight, being able to get seen and then, uh, maneuver so the other part is that they were able to maneuver back up which is something that spielman didn't often do in the early rounds he would move back but you wouldn't see a move up in the second to identify that guy uh but i'll get to that in a second the packer one didn't really bother me as much because um i know sally you briefly touched on it i do think that they would have found a way to move up regardless because of the 53 and 59 that is valuable and the teams picking behind us there were a lot of teams that would have liked that draft capital so for us to be able to take those two quote-unquote premium picks i'm happy for also i'm not a big watson fan um i mean i think he will be good I don't think he's the answer for Green Bay. He's not that polished route runner. He's he's Alan Lazard to me, like which is a great run blocker, got the size, got the speed, um, which may work out great. But um, so that's the only downside is we did give the Packers after all the shit talking that we'll do about well they didn't take a wide receiver in the first round again. They didn't help Aaron Rodgers out. So to be the team that did it, okay, I get that, but we still got two again, quote unquote, premium picks. And then we were able to maneuver back up to get Andrew Booth. And that's where I think ultimately the two trades combined was a win. Cause now you get two first round quote, you know, supposedly talents um, that can plug in right away and make an impact. And that'll instantly help out this team. Cause Booth was a guy that I did like um, and scene was a guy I absolutely loved. I didn't think he'd be um, sneaking into that first round, but um you know, again, like I said, I'm happy with the players, maybe not necessarily the way that they went around to get it. The uh, so Quazy has set himself up that either Williams and Watson have to be meh, or if they are not, then Scene and Booth have to be Pro Bowlers. That that's the stakes. That that is the gauntlet he laid for himself. So watch it pan out. 
Uh, BMAC, so if the Vikings hired you instead of Quasi as general manager last January, would you do business with divisional foes? I, I wouldn't do them any favors. <laughs> so if it was business done, it would definitely try to make sure it would be in our favor some type of way. So it sounds like uh, you would have to get an astoundingly attractive trade package to answer the phone, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's kind of the sentiment. I know, like, you don't have any other choice right now as Vikings fans. You have to accept the deal. So I think a lot of us mm-hmm. have warmed up to the potential of what it could be. But there's no doubt. Even even me, I was sitting there when it said traded with the Packers. I was like, wow, because uh, that hasn't happened in 12 years. And when they traded last time, it was Matt Flynn for John David Booty. And it didn't really right. matter. It didn't really matter because Flynn had a good game and parlayed that into 20 million bucks. And John David Booty never saw a regular season game. But other than that, there's no real precedent for this. Uh, so, but the Lions, though, they do trade with and they they have become they, they were the victors of trades in the last decade. They landed Everson Griffin to Neil Hunter. So that one, I was like, all right, well, it's the Lions. But it was really the Packer one that stood out to me, like, all right, so this is really a new era if we're doing shit like this. I will right. add though one thing. Um the for me, the losing 12, like being a, an absolute premium pick, I I still believe that you could have gotten, whether it's Jordan Davis or maybe if they didn't like Kyle Hamilton, maybe they like seeing over him, but you could have added an impact player. And then the way that Quazy was able to man- maneuver around in the second and third rounds, I think you could have still been able to possibly do that in the second round to be able to get seen and booth as well. Um, it's to be determined, but, uh, but that's the only thing that I have an issue with it is we lost out on potentially, you know, an absolute stud day one starter impact player to get a couple of guys who are going to, you know, be in the rotation and, you know, elevate the defense, but like you just missed out on that kind of elite level prospect is what I see it as. Well, and Ron, I mean, to go off of that point, that's a concern of mine because I feel like with this new regime, there are a lot of contradictions and it's hard to figure out what is the philosophy because you go out there and you say, we're not in any rebuild. We're competing for a super bowl. We're going to win the division. And then you pass on a chance to go after, like you said, a game changing playmaker at number 12 from day one. But then, I mean, on the flip side, I do see there's a lot of holes you need to make up, make up patch a lot of those holes to be competitive but it just kind of is disheartening when you know that there's that there's the potential to get somebody truly special that's going to take you on for years and years and years um and you and you give that up if uh yeah. if the this- philosophy to me is just very hard to follow <laughs> from these guys from the cousins thing i mean just all, all the moves that they've made i feel like there's no clear vision it's the only way he sells it. And he's reiterated is that he wants to live in the now and in the present. And it's a competitive rebuild. So it's basically transformation on the fly. And, you know, it, that's basically diplomacy speak for, we think we can win, but if we don't get, don't, don't be mad at me, please. I always said it was a rebuild. Yeah. That's what it feels right. like. Um, so I want to get it on verbal record. I don't know if this matters. If, if I was general manager, I would have stayed put and drafted Kyle Hamilton and then second round, whatever cornerback was best, Roger McCreary, whoever it would be, that's who I would have taken. 
because I think Hamilton is that damn good. Now, hopefully I'm wrong. I want to be wrong here. Uh, Katie, let's talk about the day three stuff. Um, Actually, start- wait, before we get, yeah. move too far away from it, I do want to touch on it. So, yes, I was very much a Kyle Hamilton fan. And uh, with Lewis seen, like, there's a lot of people now that I'm reading that had seen either at the level of Hamilton or higher. And I can't remember who said it, um, if it was Lieber, if it was Ron Johnson or someone that had said, that Kyle Hamilton was that big fish in a like in Notre Dame, being the guy that stood out because they didn't have a whole lot of talent. Whereas Lewisine may have gotten overlooked because of the talent on that team, but yet he was still what a lot of people would say the best defensive player on that team. He led the team in tackles. Obviously, if you watch any of the um, national championship game and the semis, he was flying all over the field. So that could be something <clears throat> that where you know, at least with Quasi and his philosophy, maybe they, he had him graded very similar. Uh, maybe he actually had seen above Hamilton. Um, but that, so that one doesn't bother me as much in kind of looking back at it. And I guess Hamilton at Notre Dame, like could be future hall of famer, but um, it, it, we've also alluded to, um, or well, someone else on the radio alluded to Roy Williams, who we've had on was a top seven pick and Ed Reed was a pick in the twenties. Yeah. Now, they both had great careers, but Ed Reed's one of the best to ever do it. I hear him. All right, Katie, let's talk. Let's skip around a little bit. Let's talk about day three of the NFL draft in which the Vikings drafted uh, a Caleb Evans, a cornerback, an edge rusher from the Gophers, the first Gopher drafted by Minnesota in 12 years, uh, Usezi Otomewo, uh, Ty Chandler running back, uh, Verdarian Lowe, a turnstile type of tackle at least that'll be his role this year Jalen Naylor a wide receiver the fruit of the Mike Hughes trade and Nick Muse the flamboyant one uh which one of those picks do you think actually works out if any so I think it's going to be Ty Chandler I think he'll be the one that will get long term out of uh I know we're a little bit running back heavy right now I think it's it's five if you include CJ Ham in that. <laughs> but we're in the last year of Madison's contract, and we see those RB2s go somewhere frequently, right? Because they're they're, be- they're always behind some star. So I think it'll make room and maybe some competition on there. I don't think he's going to beat out um, Kenny for punt returner or anything, but I think we'll see him on the roster for probably two or three, or for the next two or three years at least. Uh, yeah, so he'll be. Uh... <laughs> committed to the team for four years. And hopefully by that time, he will see some playing time. So Sally, I'm going to reveal something here about the Ty Chandler pick. And then I want okay. you, I want you also to give your day, day three Jim, if there is any, um, it was the first time with Dalvin cook on this team ever that I, when they drafted Chandler, I swung over to the other side with my thought process and thinking, even though Dalvin's dynamic, they spent his money elsewhere on maybe another, another defensive player. God, they might be able to sneak by with Madison and Chandler and shame on me for not realizing that until it actually happened in a draft. Do you echo that sentiment or do you think Dalvin is dynamic enough to warrant all of the dollars for the RB? No, I had the exact same feelings when they extended him and gave him all that money. I absolutely all right. I, well, that's... I mean, I just can't say, can't tell you. I, 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 I don't know. There's not a lot to say about it because I full fully agree. And I've agreed for years now. I don't, I think the amount of money they tied up, up in him a few years ago, that's not really how the league works anymore. And you can essentially draft a running back in the mid rounds every single year. 
and get similar results. After the retirement of Terrell Davis on Denver, the Broncos started doing that every cycle and it's worked and the league started stealing it. Um, Give me Sally, uh, your day three guy, if any. (laughs) Well, to to go back to that, I mean, wasn't Madison a second round pick? The third. Third. He was third. Mm -hmm. Okay. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. Um, Well, I was also going to say Chandler. So I was, (laughs) I was, uh, that's all right. uh, Trying to prepare something else, but day three. So I got to be honest with you. Um, So obviously I was at the party the first night and it was, kind of difficult to follow what was going on in the rest of the league because they didn't have it on. I mean, it was on one of the really small TV, but there was no sound. So that was kind of exhausting. And then day two, I was at the Wolves game six when they were doing all those crazy trades. And so I was just burnt out on that for sure. And then day three, when I saw all these trades with the Raiders and trade up, trade down, I was, you know, I I don't even my head's still spinning from all of that. So <laughs> I talked, that's all I gotta say is just that I don't know what the hell's going on. I talked right, the day before the draft. I talked with Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings <clears throat> in my, on my YouTube show, and he uh, he he said before this, he's like, "Well, this is a Wall Street guy, so he's probably going to be trading a lot." And boy, did he nail that prediction uh, with that Wall Street background. Yeah, because they led sure. the NFL in draft trades with six of them. Uh, B Mac, are you still with us? Yeah. Oh, I got, so I think I know your answer to this question. Um, so you played with Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice. Uh, one one was a little bit more dynamic than the other, uh, but you know the importance of a running back. So I want your take. Do you still believe in the efficacy of paying a running back like 12 million bucks per year, or would you get on board with this trend of just washing through the guys on the rookie deals? No, I would, uh, a solid running back that I feel like I can rely on, I would, I would definitely pay him. Um, you know, those rookies can have a good first or second year. And then after that, kind of, you want somebody that you can have for a long haul, I would think. You yeah. know what I mean? For that, uh, keep, cause then like, everybody has to keep getting adjusted to a new person keep coming in. You know what I mean? The O-line, different style of running backs, things like that. Where if you have somebody that you know you can have for a good solid eight or nine years, I would rather that. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it, uh, I mean, you you played with it, so 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 you would know on that topic. Uh, let's see, Ron, give me your your day three guy. Um, well, I was gonna say Brian that's spoken like a true offensive lineman. <laughs> give me one guy back there that I know is gonna do his job and let me do mine, and uh, right. we'll be good. Um, <clears throat> so for me, and I'll admittedly, I'm like I I would echo the Chandler one, but I'll go a different route. Um, admittedly, I knew very little about this guy when he came out, but the way that crazy has been talking about him, uh, Caleb Evans. Um, you know, he would say that he, there was one guy that he would be up like watching tape on late at night. Like just, he was the, like one of the only people who was high on him. Um, so just based on what he's saying and kind of that, I guess, effect that he had on, on crazy that to me, I feel like is a guy that could make a big impact. Um, again, I, I was on a, a Tariq Woolen, um, train because you can't teach six, four and four, two, six speed. Um, but this guy's a six, two corner with, you know, they, with the length and athleticism on the outside. So, um, we'll see how quickly he's able to kind of come in, but, um, that's someone who I think, uh, you know, addressing D back, um, I think was 
you know, the stamp that they wanted to put on this draft. And I think that's, it's a smart move. Like they've just like, we've seen all the offensive linemen that they've been bringing in. And, um, you know, I think Dustin, you tweeted out last year, it was, but can he play guard? And now we have a bunch of these guys. So, um, you throw enough darts at it, you're going to, you're going to hit and you're going to miss, but at least give yourself a chance. And, um, and I think you'll be in good shape. Evans is for this question, day three, uh, my favorite too. And it's not because necessarily he's got this pedigree to be better than Chandler at his respective position. It's because here's a little news between Patrick Peterson, Cameron Dantzler, and uh, Andrew Booth. One of them's going to get hurt. And so somebody's going to need to fill in for depth. And I believe Evans will have more opportunities more often early on to prove what he's all about. And he's right on a, uh, almost like a, this real tender spot where fourth rounders are supposed to be good. But then if they're not, you can just say, well, he was a fourth rounder. What do you expect? Um, but I think he'll get more run within the defense, mainly because we see how often cornerbacks get hurt. So I think the next man up will tap him uh, sooner than, than Chandler would be nominated because as Katie said, they just have a crowded house at running back uh, with a lot of these speed merchants like in Wangu. Um, but on the offensive line and a good problem to have too many guards when we used to vacillate between Dakota Dozier and Drew Samia, they they drafted a dude with splotchy history named Ed Ingram. It was a very strange Vikings move after the the era in which McKinney played. They they, they tried to, to get a little bit more judicious about bringing in good character guys. And for the most part, outside of the Adrian Peterson stuff of 2013, 2014, they they've they've done better, but this guy, uh, when he was 16, allegedly had had sexual misconduct allegations against him that were just dropped, and it's kind of mysterious as to uh, he said, she said, or they said, and I think it'll just remain that way. And we lost B Mac. Hopefully, I didn't piss him off. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so 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 this guy is either going to play center for Bradbury or start because you don't draft a guard in the second round and say, well, we'll see what happens. The guy is going to play. So uh, Katie on Ingram, I know it's, it's impossible to litigate. Was it, was it smart because of his baggage, but do you foresee him playing early and often? Uh, yeah, I, I see him. I foresee him playing to your point with as high as we drafted him. That's got to be the intention. That's another crowded room, which is, again, a good problem to have. Um, so I don't know where he'll play. <laughs> you know, I don't know if they're going to shuffle or I don't know if it's just going to be a fight to the death at the right, right guard position. Um, and I, I guess I just hope that they have it figured out before the season starts. So it's not every game. It's a new formation and everyone's learning new positions. So. I agree with you on it's that. Brian's favorite topic. It. And it's like, you got a right guard, let him have a backup. And let the person who backs him up go in that position and not move the right tackle over the left guard and all this other stuff. <laughs> we'll get this. So I hope get they got that out of their system. Get this, Bryant. <laughs> they have five guys that could potentially play right guard that are somewhat organically right guards. It's Wyatt Davis, who's like this humongous... Malaysia or this this mysterious guy that we don't know if he's any good. And there's Jesse Davis, a free agent. There's Chris Reed, a free agent. There's Oli Udo, the the penalty merchant. And then now we got Ed Ingram. So we have five guys to play one spot. And to Ron's point, for the love of God, they got to be able to find somebody who's good. Yeah, you got five different people. Somebody got to be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and even, even if Zimmer was still in charge, you'd feel like one of them has to emerge uh, because if they don't, it's a curse. Uh, Sally, give me your, your Ingram speech. 
Well, I'm sure you'll be shocked to hear that I'm not happy about it, <laughs> but, um, you know, there's nothing we can do. I don't, I mean, no, I think the situation that you brought up is dead and gone. There's nothing that's going to come from that. It is, you know, it's over with, but it doesn't mean that I have to be thrilled about it, but yeah, um, hopefully because of where they drafted him, that means that he has the potential to make an impact early. Yeah, the thing that's weird, it's, it's tough to discuss or write about or just have in general on Ingram is if if the stuff against him as a 16-year-old is true, does that disqualify him from ever working in a prominent job? No. That That's when you start to ask. But but then it, but then as, as fans or whatever, you can say, well, of course not, but I don't have to like him, and I don't want him on this team. So well, he was 16, so why are we still judging somebody from when he was 16? Well, Which sure they're not the same person they are now. Ah, uh, because the stuff that he did was particularly rotten. At sixteen, true. how old is he now? Uh twenty-two. And you're not the same person you was ten years ago, were you? No, but I also didn't do the exactly. stuff that he allegedly did. So I don't think we should hold anything over anybody's head because of something they did at sixteen years old. He's twenty-two now. He's been through a lot of different things. He's been through college. He's been through different life experiences. So yeah, let's but just hope he's not the same individual. But I'm not going to hold nothing over his head that he did at sixteen. But the difference here is that I got, at 16, I got in fights. I stole stuff from the Eden Prairie Mall a lot, uh, but I didn't assault girls. I think that's the difference. Here. I understand that, and I'm not saying that it's okay, but I'm saying I hope, and I'm not going to hold that over his head from something years ago that I don't, I'm hoping he's not the same individual. Yeah. So I don't want to carry something that he did at 16 years old and feel like at 22 years old, he's still up to the same thing. Yeah, in that's theory. What- in theory, it could all be false or it could have got therapy or it could have been adjudicated like exactly. families or something. I don't know. Yeah, I would see. assume being that it was a legal situation and that he was underage and that he was in school and stuff. I'm sure that he went through a lot of therapy for that. And so, I mean, I think a lot. I mean, I don't want to make any assumptions about anyone, but I do think especially when you are that young, you can change in those sort of behaviors, you know, um, at least I hope, I mean, I th- we can right. all change. And so I do agree with you, Brian. Um, but then I also can see your point, Dustin, too, where it is kind of like a different level of, of a crime that you're, you know, penetrating people when they're asleep. You can, you would think like you would know that that's wrong, but at the same time, people will grow up in different situations and people are exposed to different things where they may not necessarily know that that, that, that isn't the right thing to do. And you can be educated on that and change. And, you know, with the, the one thing, like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? I, I, I said, all we can do is really hope the best. I mean, yeah, and just hope sure. change. Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure he's mature from 16 to 22. Right. And, you know, I see both sides of it. And, um, you know, Brian, like also, I like, do agree to your point that they, like people can grow up, people can change and make dumb mistakes. Now, again, I think the, like what first came out was awful to hear, but also like the way that it was phrased initially was, that all this happened with a minor and they didn't say that he was also a minor at the time. So I think for me, the initial outrage was, well, what this guy should be burned at the stake. Now, like not knowing that he also was a minor again, not saying that it's right, but it, it, people do change. Um, obviously they wouldn't have taken him in the second round if they didn't vet out who he was as a person. So um, right. there's a I lot. That, like they probably did some character research with coaches, family, friends, somebody, you know what yeah. I mean? There has to be. I mean, you know, again, you don't get that draft capital. Look at um, 
uh, what, why, or what's the guy's name? Lyle Collins. Is that it? The one who he didn't go get drafted uh, because he, his girlfriend or whatever um, was murdered. And we don't know if you're involved. We, we don't know if you're not. And he was first round talent all of a sudden undrafted. So um, mm-hmm. obviously different situations, but um, I, I'm sure that they did their homework on it, uh, but kind of getting back to the pick, maybe. Not I mean, if you want to be, if you want to really be technical, there's been players in the league that have had allegations against them as adults in the league. And absolutely, people have kind of like t- took a blind shoulder to that too. So, I mean, what? That never happens. <laughs> right. So, I mean, they're getting their contracts redone and nobody's really like. Yeah, it's, it's always to seems to be uh, depending on the player and whether or not there was a, like a video evidence or anything like that. Like, you know, like your friend, Ray Rice, he got blackballed from the NFL after all that, when him and his wife both admitted um, to what they had did it was obviously there was a video of it so that made it worse but uh again mm-hmm. not condoning it but he stayed with him they worked it out like that like they went through their counseling everything you can grow from something like that obviously mm-hmm. um you know hopefully he's in a better place now and wishing him the best but a tough situation all around there uh but again getting back to the pick maybe not necessarily the player um and his mm-hmm. past but what i like about the first three picks if not if there's nothing else it's they took three championship level players um, or that have all won championships at their level. Oh, so true. if nothing else, they're setting a tone of, Hey, if we're going to build a championship DNA here, what better than to go and get guys who have done that, who know how to do it. Not just taking, you know, the long snapper from Alabama because, because, you know, <laughs> Alabama, but you're taking guys who started, obviously Ingram started on that Je- Jefferson team, um, which was other than the a 102 Miami Hurricanes is probably one of the best college football teams out there. Um, and then obviously Georgia last year having five first round picks on defense, um, you take one of their best players from that side of the ball as well. So um, if there's philosophically, if there's anything that I learned from it is, Hey, we're going to take high level players from high level organizations and we're going to bring them, bring them in to kind of change that culture. On uh, yeah, I think on whether it's the Ray Rice parallel or uh, you know, his shot at redemption, I think Americans like a love a redemption story, but it's gotta be their brand of redemption. I think, uh, I think each person has to be the beholder and, you know, he's got this uh, Ingram's going to get a shot. And so uh, we'll see if he starts right away. Let's, let's talk about this London stuff. This was, this was rumored for about two weeks. There was a reporter, Mm -hmm. Jeff Duncan, I believe in new Orleans, who said that looked like it was happening about two weeks ago and bada bing, it's going to happen in week four, October 2nd, the day after my son's birthday, his sixth birthday, no less. The Vikings play the Saints in London and uh, London actually gets a matchup that isn't like the Jets versus the Falcons last year, or the Dolphins versus the Jags, but probably my uh, hometown bias, but they actually get a rivalry matchup. So Katie, tell me about this London thing. Are you, are you peeved that you have to wake up at 830 or is it pretty cool? No, I think it's great. I mean, we don't have to play in the Dome. So that's a benefit. We don't lose any home games or anything like that. So I'm, I'm all for it. I wish it was um, a different year because I can't make it this year, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome game to go to. If you can make it, I, I've never, my ancestors are from Europe. I have never been there. So I think I'm going to try to take the whole crew to this one. Sally, what's, what's, what's your take on London? Cool or no good? Oh man. I haven't had anything nice to say today. Um, I hate it. 
I hate it. Um, where do I start with why I hate it? I hate it that it means we have a week five bye week. Exactly. That's what I don't like about it. That That's how it always is. After the London okay. game, yep. I hate a week five bye week. Brian, Brian can uh, respect this. It's Libra season. Yeah. I don't want to be crossing the freaking pond in Libra season. It's my birthday weekend, so that means I'm not getting a home game. Roger Goodell didn't call me and ask me to approve this date, so it's screwed up. Um, I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Have you gone to a London game? <laughs> no. And I, at this point in my life, I don't have any desire to go. Oh. I have other things on my list. I have to go to Buffalo, New York, and Miami. Those are my priorities. Where are your answers? I think those are going to be the games I'm going to this year. Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, I just, I get it. I, I, I get it that we're trying to still make the whole London thing happen. I also don't want to wake up at seven in the morning. Where where are your ancestors from? My, me? Yeah. Oh, um, Norway, Germany, all that. Oh, okay. Well, this would be an opportunity I mean, to go see the country. And I agree. It's not that I'd ne- I would love to go there one day, but going there in the fall when I already spend so much time traveling and so much money on games and I'm so busy, it just doesn't work. Okay, but you're not so, a nationalist. No. <laughs> if anything, I'm trying to get out of here with everything going on this week. God. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, my ancestors are also from Norway and uh, Ireland, and so my wife wants to see London, even though the Irish and British don't historically get along. It's neither here nor there. Uh, Ron, you don't like the bye week. Do you like the seven road games versus eight road games? I absolutely love it. Um, and the fact that it's not a home game, I love waking up. Or, I mean, when you have two kids under three, you're up early anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, so I love when there's football on because I'll watch those games. And then I even more so love it when it is the Vikings because then when the slate at noon starts, I don't have to worry about just what, watching the Vikings game while focusing on other scores. It's I, again, There's no other distractions going on um, as far as, <clears throat> you know, scores fantasy betting whatever mm-hmm. um so and then i love the you know 8 30 a.m till 11 p.m football um that's what i live for in the fall so um <clears throat> one of these years i w- would like to make it out to um to london or if they play in germany or whatever and to see that game um but yeah this year i'm already planning on going to miami for that game so um that'll be a little too much to to go to london yeah, so long as they're not like within two or three weeks of each other, I think I'm going to try to do both. Um, but yeah, I think this is the perfect opportunity. And if, if the, out of the gate, when I heard the rumor, I was going to try just making my wife and I, but then it falls on my son's birthday weekend. So I think I can give him a six-year-old birthday present for a, a London trip. That's a real nice birthday yeah. present. <laughs> I think I think you'll enjoy it. I've been, for I've been, any age. I've been talking it up and I think he kind of gets it. So a couple of players, interestingly, are uh, deprived of a homecoming. Uh, these Four dudes are from Louisiana, Justin Jefferson, Cameron Dantzler, Irv Smith Jr., and Perry Nickerson. Uh, I know Justin Jefferson lamented it. I think it was playful that he won't get to, you know, be in his home state, but they already lost there in 2020. I think I think they wanted vengeance. They got they got crushed on Christmas Day. Oh yeah. And like, you know, like that it's this is one of those where the league knows what they're doing. Like they're, if they're gonna take a home game away from the Saints, like 
They don't have a marketable quarterback. I mean, yes, James Winston's out there doing all these dumb workouts and whatnot, but there's no Drew Brees. Like, they don't care if they lose a home game. It's it's not a big deal. Um, so, and, yeah, I, I'm i glad we don't have to go there because it always is a tough place to play, but um, I'm always for a neutral site road game. Yep, and it'll be the first time that we've played these dudes without a Breeze or a Sean Payton since 2004. And that was a Sunday night game where the Vikings won 38-31 behind Moeldy Moore, Bryant McKinney, Randy Moss, and Dante Culpepper. BMAC, I know you've been across the pond, but have you ever been to London? I've been to London. I went for Wimbledon, uh, but never for like an NFL game. Oh, really? Which Wimbledon was it? Back in 2010. Oh, okay. Let's see. Was... Did Federer win that one? Was it Federer? I'll have to look it up. I'm guessing Serena was in the mix. Yeah, she won. <laughs> of course she did. <laughs> Can you tell us again, in case the viewers have forgot, how did you you guys become best friends? Uh, it actually started, I met both of them in 2005 in LA. Um, they were at the table next to me. I was there with Vernon Carey and a group from ESPN. We did something for ESPN back then. And they came in and then, I'm, I mean, we knew who they were. I was, we just didn't speak. They ended up coming over speaking. And then um, one of the ladies from ESPN, we got outside, tried to get like me, like to exchange numbers with Venus. And Venus said, well, why did you come here? Why didn't he come? It was like a bigger misunderstanding. Two weeks later, back in Miami, I run into Venus randomly. And she was like, oh, my God. And then, I'm saying like a week later, I ran into her again in Miami. And she like, it must be meant to be. We want to exchange numbers. We want to hang out. She was, she had an injury. I don't know if it was a, a wrist or an elbow or something. So she wasn't playing at the time. Miami Open was down here. And we started just hanging out. And then she had an interior, de- interior decorating company. Just decorated my house. So I actually was closer with her at first. And then it became a season where Serena had an injury. And the Miami Open was in Miami. And... Me and her ended up starting to hang out a lot. Then we realized our birthday was three days apart and we had a lot of common and we became really cool. Oh, okay. For what it's worth, it was uh, Nadal that won in uh, 2010. Okay. So him and Serena, right? And yep. No, I thought I thought Federer won it. That was at the peak of his powers. Wimbledon? Are you sure you're not looking at the French Open? T- 2010 Wimbledon, men's singles, Rafael Nadal. Really? Okay. He defeated Tomas Burdich. Oh, okay. I'll be damned. Yeah, and Serena took down Maria Sharapova. Mm. All right. Well, that's enough tennis talk no, for tonight. He, he defeated uh, Vera Zavala. Oh, really? All right. I got yeah. all my facts twisted tonight. <laughs> all right, Sally. What do you it's got for the group? Ago. What do you got for the group tonight? Oh man, I uh, <laughs> I forgot my segment. Um, <laughs> hold on. You guys talk for a second. I'll I'll think of something. Hold on. You're supposed to be talking. We can't have this awkward so, silence. So yeah, BMAC, when uh, since it sounds like, you know, Dustin, myself, and Sally will be coming down to Miami at some point, um, or, you know, when the Vikings play. So then we'll have to either do our, like our first uh, in-person recording. I don't Dinner know if you want to bring all that. Yeah, dude, something like that. So Oh, yeah, recording. Yeah, we could do like recording. Too. Yeah. I got I to gotta see Sap, too. Does he live in Miami? <laughs> He's here a lot during football season. Yeah, that, that guy is supposed to go ice fishing with me here next winter, or oh, at least okay. with my pals. He, so. Yeah, I see. Uh, he's here a lot. He's part of, like, this bike club. Like, they ride bicycles. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's been motorcycles? doing, like, a lot ever since. Yeah, no. he's, hip he's, like, been on the go. No, like, and yeah, I, I, bicyclist, Lance Armstrong stuff. <laughs> oh, like cycling? 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He cycles? Yeah, he's part like a whole little like crew of guys who ride their bikes. Oh, I need to see a picture of this. Is it on his Instagram? It probably is. It should be. Oh, also, wow. Brian, I know, like, obviously, like, with uh, being friends with Serena and Venus, two of the greatest just tennis players to ever play, I know you're big into tennis right now. Do they ever give you lessons, or is that something, like, you just kind of do it on your own? Uh, Venus is giving me lessons before. I don't think – I really don't think Serena has the patience to really give lessons. <laughs> <laughs> nah, because we played – got to be hard when you're that talented. Uh, right. I think she wants to play. We played – I played – it was supposed to be a lesson, but it, it turned into like a match. So it wasn't a lesson, but Venus is more of a lesson. We need an excuse, a football excuse to get her on, Serena. <laughs> maybe she we play the Dolphins. She's a part oh. owner of the Dolphins. That's what I'm about to say. Maybe when Lisa today. Oh, Dolphins. yeah. How many years that? I can get either one of them because they're both. We find out next Thursday. Yeah. That's when the schedule drops. So. I'm hoping okay. it's in November, December because it would be really nice and that's to off Miami season. when it's cold. So. Plus, <laughs> it's the off-season. Yeah. Yeah, I won't be there during Libra season. It's too hot. It's too hot <laughs> yeah, the way, the way that it's going, it's going to be like, what, week six, Sally? Uh, for, for, my, for the Miami game, it's going to oh drop. Oh, God. Again. It better not be. Yeah, I need you'll... like week eight or later. Yeah. For me personally, in my heat strokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you got? Yeah, November, December is good here. What'd you say? November and December, like late. November, oh yeah, that's that's all I can. That's all I can manage. Um, let's see. I don't really have a topic. You don't, you don't skim the itinerary anymore, do you? I did. I did skim it, but I forgot about <laughs> oh, that that's part. Okay. That's all um, right. <laughs> just someone else talk. All right. So, are on the whole. Katie, are you surprised that they didn't take any offensive playmakers? Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Well, I, I thought I was trying to give you priority. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, they didn't they didn't take anybody until they got to Ty Chandler and then Jalen Naylor in terms of offensive playmakers, and they rounded out Nick Muse. And this is an offensive-minded head coach who had plenty of weapons with the Rams, and he's used to them. Are you surprised they didn't splurge for any of those? I, I'm not surprised just because there's such a need on the defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, last season, it's, well, felt like all I was ever talking about was how bad our defense was and the offense was carrying them. So I'm not surprised and I'm glad it went the way it did. And, and I think, you know, with the offensive weapons that they did get, they were well-placed. It's really a rubber stamp that the the new leadership regime is content with uh, the playmakers because they had multiple chances to get richer, whether it was George Pickens in round two or even Watson himself, they could have said, you know what, we're going to be an offensive football team and just be affluent on that side of the ball. But you no, know, they, they want to be balanced, which isn't the worst thing in the world. It makes Tell me really excited for next season. Cause it's like, okay, so if it, if they really do believe it was the coaching had that much effect, what are we going to do next season? Oh, yeah. so I'm, I'm super excited to watch it pan out. And, you know, That's exactly season. kind of what I was just going to allude to is that like, clearly they believe that the talent is sufficient enough in there. Obviously the offense has been good the last few years. It's been the defense that has let it down. Um, but I like the fact that, you know, they, they believe in KJ Osborne as the number three wide receiver. I mean, he had his 50 receptions for 600 yards and five TDs last year. Um, and showed when Thielen was out that he could be um, a key contributor. So I like the fact that they had the trust in him. Um, and I'm a little disappointed they didn't like go for a tight end a little, little earlier because that 
that's one of the things where, yes, Irv Smith, I think will be great if he can be healthy. Um, but I think losing Conklin is going to hurt more than people realize at this moment. Obviously, you can't pay him what the Jets did. Um, but he was valuable, um, both as a pass catcher and as a blocker. And to not, um, you know, bring in someone to be that. Um, that makes me a little nervous. Um, while I know we're going to be a lot of three wide receiver sets, um, that, so that's the only position I wish that they may have touched on a little sooner. They could still. There's free agents. There's Jimmy Graham, Eric Ebron, Kyle Rudolph, Blake Jarwin, Jared Cook. If they wanted to hedge the Irv Smith bet, or he got hurt again, but you know, and there will be guys that I mean, as long as they're not uh, you know trading third or fourth round picks for you know nine target <laughs> tight end. So. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh and who knows maybe like maybe we'll see like cj ham split out as a tight end because i know they don't they didn't <laughs> use fullbacks in la yeah um but cj ham obviously is a pro bowl caliber fullback and he's good in the blocking game clearly we know he can catch as evidence of a lot of third and six three yard outs that they ran to him um <laughs> but uh who knows maybe they play him in that h back type mold and that's their ace up their sleeve there yeah, and they also brought back, at least for the summer, Jake Vargas. So they got two fullbacks, and we're wondering how the hell they're going to use any. All else fails, go Garrett, Garrett Bradbury as tight end, too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, Sally, take us off air with your uh, shock and awe, or lack thereof, with no offensive playmakers until Ty Chandler. I was super, uh, super surprised, especially with how deep this draft was with wide receiver that they didn't take one even, you know, in the third round or the, or, you know, um, I think it, it does say a lot, like you guys said, it, it scares me though, because there's not a lot of depth there if one of those guys goes down, but more so that like, are we not thinking about the wide receiver class of the future at all um, beyond this year? Because we're probably going to need a guy um, to fill the shoes of Adam Thielen eventually, or heaven forbid, KJ gets hurt or anything like that. Smith Marset, if he doesn't go to the next level. So I was very surprised, and especially to see no offensive playmakers at all until that late, I was surprised. Yeah, the uh, Quazy told a story before the draft about how Keenan McCardell basically inferred that, you know, we don't need a wide receiver in round one, but I don't think any of us thought that meant a complete drought until, right. until Jalen Naylor in round six. So I wonder um, if, uh, cause there's a lot of veteran wide receivers that are still out there. Um, and this is just, I, I have no steam on it whatsoever. I'm wondering if Jarvis Landry is someone that they're going to look at, uh, with his connection with Quazy in in Cleveland, um, like that it's a viable option obviously he's a slot guy um and jefferson and thielen while they can play in the slot they excel on the outside um but one of the underrated parts of jarvis landry is he's an excellent blocker um and that's all the rams wide receivers all that they every single one of them needs to be able to block so i mean i'm hoping because i'm a big jarvis landry fan as well but uh um, get another um LSU wide receiver up in the fold too. So, um, but who knows? Yeah. If, if something indeed happened to Osborne, they'd have to, uh, they'd have to lean on Amir Smith, Marset, and then BC Johnson. <laughs> who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, just a side note before we wrap up, I think next year we should have Jordan on the week after the draft instead. 
Oh, so he can okay. because I feel like first of all, he was so busy at the end of the year. <laughs> I feel like I really kind of felt guilty. And, you know, everybody forgets everything the analysts say before the draft anyway. You right. know, I feel like next year will be better. Just have him on later. It'll be calmed down and then he can and give, let him like, be a fan. Let him like be yeah, the Viking fan that he is. And he can give real analysis on specific people that actually are going to um, affect the team rather than how we've been doing it. Well, or maybe he can come on in training camp. That would be cool. Yeah. We'll make or it Corey so. Chavis afterwards too. You know, Corey Chavis yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe we should have him on the next couple of weeks and he can break it down for us because he's a draft okay. mind. I yeah. forgot about that. Bang, bang yeah. the drum there. Genius. All right, group. Well, we'll be back next week, one night before the schedule is released and with a new slew of topics. Anything else from, from the group? Not a <laughs> All right, skull baby. Vikings. Have a good week. Be a wild okay. <laughs> Bye, Brian. Later. Calling. See, we ain't got no swing except for the rain and the crunch of thing. The ice is coming. The sun's zooming in. Meltdown expected. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.